Welcome to $20. Oh, shit. Wrong, wrong podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to Extra Credits. Muggo, what are we talking about today? So we're going to go ahead and start talking about the, the Last Dance episode four. Um, it's titled episode four. I think we can all kind of agree this is the Phil Jackson's arc. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean it's got more, but it goes into detail. Um, it, episode three left us with a big cliffhanger with uh, Dennis Rodman leaving on a vacation. Okay? And so that's what <laughs> yeah. all it was. It doesn't waste any time. It starts off by him saying he's been gone. He was, he was at granted 48 hours it was longer it just shows the numbers going up as far as the hours he's gone does anyone know how long he was actually gone for was it was like 81 hours I, or something I, I don't know i just know that he was gone and it, it shows him uh partying and uh if we were doing trash and treasure i have to say Carmen electra still looks amazing and she's yeah. right there explaining <laughs> what was going on um, she uh, she explains like in vegas it was a scene with him and it just shows him doing shots after shots. Kamikaze is what I, I got a lot out of it. Um, but just basically enjoying a vacation, like what he needed. It was a, I mean, I was kind of envy. <laughs> it looked like the vacation of all vacations, you know. But but uh, but uh, I guess it does go into Jordan talking about, hey, we had to go get him. I'm not going to say what was in his room. When you cross-reference Carmen Electra's story, it sounds like she was not only in the room, if there was other girl, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's to your imagination, but that's just how Dennis Rodman was, right? Okay, so uh, the director said that um, Dennis Rodman was already back from Vegas when Michael Jordan went to go get him. Oh, so in yeah, yeah. So his apartment was across the street from the United Center. Okay. So he's like he's like a couple blocks away or right across the street. So Michael Jordan had to go up to his apartment and like bang on the door, and um, his apartment had like no furniture just a bed and a fridge and a TV and that's it. So when he went there, like he says he saw some shit, but like Carmen Electra was there hiding, but like Dennis Rodman was at his apartment just okay. chilling. There's, there's one more thing I want to bring up about Dennis Rodman. I didn't get to bring it up last episode, but uh, according to the director, like Dennis Rodman was like super hard to track down for his interview. Uh, he was two hours late to his interview. And then when he gets there, he says to the director, so what's this for again? <laughs> oh. And the director says, this is for the 10-hour documentary about your 98's Bulls team. And then that Dennis Rodman says, 10 hours? Fuck that. I'll give you 10 minutes. <laughs> and so, like, in the middle of the interview, he says, he just stops talking and he says, I need a tuna sub from Subway and some chamomile tea. And they, had to, and they had to go get him a sandwich and get him some tea before he would even talk to them. I love Dennis Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> As you have his in the background. Um, so basically, he does do a binge partying vacation. Um, and then it goes back into that he's back. Um, I think Phil thought he needed to catch him up endurance-wise. So they talk about the Indian drill. And basically, Michael says, like, he thought it was unfair. But in reality, like, not only did Dennis, like, outdo them to where they had to catch up to him, but it made him realize, like, look, it, that's just how Rodman was. And he always was – what they said was on point when he was there. Um, and Rodman goes into explaining, like, this is why this is one of the greatest teams, because not only did the whole team, but especially Scotty, Jordan, and Phil all, res like, respected him for who he was, and they understood, you're just a little different of how you're going to handle this, and we'll let you do it as long as you come to play when we need you. So I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that. I thought that was kind of cool. No, I think that's just the, the hallmark of a great leader when you talk about yeah. Phil Jackson. It's just, like, you cannot manage – 
every individual the same way. You have to understand that everybody's wired differently and people are going to require some special needs in order to succeed. So, you know, if the man needs to go away for 48 plus hours to Vegas, you know, to drink his ass off and do whatever, just so he could stay sane and do his job, like you got to let him do that. So, and that, and that's the thing too. They always refer to him as the Zen master, right? I mean, I think he was yeah. even this episode known by bringing Buddhism into like the team and all that, but you have to understand how many egos he dealt with, not only all of the Jordan part, but if you go into the Lakers and all that, I mean, he's very successful at giving these guys what they need. Um, it then kind of jumps around to Jackson's upbringing. I don't know if you guys knew this. I didn't know that he was drafted by the Knicks. Um, they yeah. actually, compared him to Rodman-ish, like he was a rebounder scrapping underneath. Um, he won two rings in uh, in uh, uh, in New York, so that gives him 13 total. I, I looked it up. I can't find anyone that has more than 13 rings. Chicago. He had six with Chicago, five with L.A., and then he also won two as a player. Now, oh, Bill Russell won 11 as a player, but Phil Jackson is on has 13 championship rings, player and coach combined. So I, I thought that was interesting. I don't there know. Was, there was some other basketball league that he coached in before. I forgot what it was called. CBA. Uh, but he, CBA. he won, he won a championship there too. Yeah. So, and I'm not even counting that one. So I, I, yeah. I love that you said that. Um, but uh, it, it, it talks about him before even getting to the CBA. He uh, uh, was coaching in a league in Puerto Rico. And I guess this league, what I can kind of compare it to, is almost like college and high school-like traditions, you know, where they just hate each other. Uh, they talk about getting rocks thrown at them, chickens being like cut and the blood putting on the visitor's bench. I mean, yeah. nothing like that would ever happen in the NBA. I kind of refer to that as like, there's that kind of stuff that goes on in high school football and, and other stuff. But I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, like Jose said, he does uh, get a job offer in, in New York with the CBA, won a championship. And then I think he's on the radar for the NBA itself. Bulls actually wanted him. I think Jerry Krause, didn't he? Get, wasn't he out offered a position before he actually accepted, but didn't show up in like proper attire, didn't interview yes. well. Yeah. So Krause brought him again. He said, Hey, I need you here. Here's how you got to do it. Right. But again, yes. this is just for an assistant coach. Uh, at the head, at the time, Doug Collins was the head coach. Uh, Jose, Kerwin, Luis, you guys jump in. If you feel this, Doug Collins was more of the James Harden offense. One-on-one player. We have the best player. Give Jordan yeah. the ball. Let him score the points, right? Am I right on that? He's on that Mike D'Antoni bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like isolation game. Yeah, isolation game. Yeah. And, yeah, Jordan was going to win scoring titles, but they were never getting past the Eastern Conference Finals or nevertheless even the finals. So I think if we're going to badmouth Jerry Krause on, like, hey, some of the decisions he made that would – you got to give him credit of taking the initiative when they go to the Eastern Conference Finals to firing Doug Collins, right? Because he's like, hey, we're just never going to get there in this direction. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think that's a bold move, but it did pay off, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, if we're going to talk bad about Jerry Krause there, I think we got to give him credit for this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because he brought he brought him in uh, before Doug Collins was the assistant coach. Uh, he, I forgot who the coach was before Doug Collins. I can't remember. But, like, he had him in there, like, before – and uh, that's where he learned um, the triangle. I think it was uh, was his name, Tex Winner. Tex Winner. Yeah, Tex Winner. Yeah. So he was he was learning the triangle from that dude. And then um, you know once Tex Winner got booted off the bench, you know Krause made sure that you know Phil Jackson got as close to that head coaching position as possible. And right. he realized it like we're not going to win a championship if we focus on this one singular player. Yeah. And it was well, and it was very bold because Michael was not 
he was not with it. Like he loved, he loved Doug Collins. And when the, when he made that change, like he was not happy at all, but. Because now he takes the ball out of his hands, right? You know, and that's, yeah. that's, what he did. that's a bold move. Um, if you guys want to get into more detail, I don't know too much about the triangle offense other than it really gives outlets and lanes open up, not just for one player, but the whole team. Um, but basically when Doug Collins was, was relieved of his duties, insert Phil Jackson as the head coach, going into the triangle offense, it does show that a lot of these stars on the team then began to rise. Like their numbers improved and the team became that much better. The most known one is Scottie Pippen. He was started off his career right as a point guard in, in, in college and all that, grew to, to be a forward. But this is what he said brought him to what he was being called the point forward. Yeah, and that's why you have Scottie Pippen now as like a Hall of Famer in my in my opinion because of the system that I think he was in. Not not taking away his talents, I just think that, that this allowed him to flourish on the same team with Michael. I don't, I don't know if you guys want to go into detail about that. I think that um, um the beauty about the triangle offense and a big reason why uh, Phil Jackson wanted to bring it in was because the whole focus before the triangle offense was Michael Jordan. Like it was that was always it. And when he put in the triangle offense, the focus was now on the ball, not Michael Jordan. Right. So what it did is just like, it's like complete ball movement. Like it just, it keeps like going around and going around and going around until you find the open player. Um, so it just made people around Michael better. Because yeah. it wasn't, the whole focus like wasn't on him all the time. Yeah. Um, how Scottie Pippen got better. That's how, you know, and, and I think Michael wanted to win so bad that he understood yeah, if, in order for me to win a championship, like I'm gonna have to make people around me a lot better, and, and it did ultimately. Yeah, and um, you also got to look at it too uh, the way defenses are set up around you know Chicago, the Pistons defense specifically for Michael Jordan. When your scoring only goes through one outlet, and you know that's one one player scoring all the points, like it's so much easier for defenses to trap you and stop you from scoring and stop you from winning. Phil had to kind of like you know explain to Michael like, "Yo, man." Like we got to switch this up because every team now has the perfect defense for you for our kind of offense, like including we, the Pistons. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like it would be so much better if everybody was a threat and not just you. That's how we're going to get through this. I didn't uh, introduce everyone again. It's not the same crew. We have the same crew plus one. I just want to say, Luis, I, I apologize. That was him just talking about the offense. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, and I think, um, really quick, just to kind of piggyback off that, um, obviously in modern basketball, like I think that's such a, like this is a great example of why I think personally, like James Harden's never going to win a ring. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The same style of basketball. It's like an isolation, like give me the ball and get the hell out of the way. Um, and it's an amazing basketball player that just, and it doesn't matter how good you are, like, you know, you, you're not going to be able to win it for everybody, at least not all four rounds of playoffs, you know? If you so, shut him down, then, then they're done. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get into to the Pistons, bad boys. It really kind of dives into this. Um, Alan, am I wrong on this? I thought they were eliminated by the Pistons three times before they actually advanced in 91. I think they the were. Video, they two, were. It was just two? I thought it was no, three. It was three. It was three, but I the think first one, one was in the, the semifinals. It wasn't the Eastern Conference. That's what yeah, it was. It okay. wasn't the Eastern Conference. So it, this is in the 90s. It's game seven. They're at uh, Detroit. Um, well, we all know what happens according to the video, and I remember this. Scottie Pippen gets a migraine that day and basically yeah. kind of takes him out. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, is he chickening out? or, or did I, I've never had a migraine, so I don't even want to answer that. I do know in certain 
situations when you're injured in a certain situation you can't play you can't play like there's just where either you're affecting the team by trying and it's just not working so I I don't know to me I think that if it was that bad it was that bad because I think of him like the fighter but I, I don't know it kind of weird how they would present it because Michael's like I'm he couldn't play I, I don't know I don't know what you guys thought yeah I, I I think Jordan was really sketchy on that answer like he didn't want to answer it because he was kind of upset you could tell I mean, looking at that, and I kind of looked at highlights, too, of that game. Man, they should have won that. If, if yeah. uh, It was a really close game to the point where they, they were ready. They were primed to win that championship. And it's kind of – as a Bulls fan, I'm kind of upset that they didn't get to that finals. That would have been a good Yeah, so they, they lost that game by 20. It's kind of ironic, and I love how the director's doing this. Um, Rodman is on the Pistons team, and they said gave, gave Pippen fits and all that stuff. Um, again, it wasn't close. I, I don't look at statistics, Alan, but they did lose by 20. So immediately, I think what they – and Jordan talks about this. They were just physically, as a team, getting beaten up. So the offseason was really, really uh, centered around weight and strength training, which is usually they would take vacations. It wasn't centered on that. This was a main priority. Um, BJ Armstrong talks about this, which let's give him credit. That guy looks like he has an age in a day. He still looks like he's that old. I mean, it's the same guy. But um, it does show them going into the weight room, pushing his teammates, especially Scotty. I think this is where he said, Scott, like you're going to be like my guy and took him under his wing for MJ. But uh, they end up right back in the same situation the next year, 91. Uh, Pistons, Bulls, Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, I'm sorry. And it immediately shows them that not only everything that they were doing as a team was working, but the strength, they immediately go up 3-0, right? And they're just kicking what, I mean, an ass kicking is what I'm getting out of it. Um, I do remember this series. Uh, they did end up sweeping them, but prior to the fourth game being final, with 7.9 seconds left, I know for a fact it was Lambert and Isaiah Thomas. I want to say Robin was part of it, but a couple of the Pistons walked off before the game was actually over. So yeah. I don't know what you guys want to think about it. Before you even answer this, Horace Grant, I want to quote him on saying, is straight up bitches. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Because Isaiah defense himself is like well this is what you do and then John Paxson gets into if you watch the Boston they didn't do it to them although Isaiah does say they did in a sense I think it's a chicken shit move um it's being a sore loser because the years Jordan lost it does show him paying respects even though he hates you guys I, I wanted to get your thoughts on all that I think they're for sports and I think Isaiah Thomas defending it is bullshit like he knows he was wrong I just think the Celtics are also bitches <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I forget which which player from the Celtics made sure to to shake their hands though. Like there were some Celtics players. Larry that Bird. No, no, Larry Bird yeah, was the first kidding. one. It yeah, Larry Bird was the first one in the tunnel. It showed Kevin McHale. All right, so it was yeah. Okay, yeah. So Kevin McHale, you know, shook hands, but yeah, Larry Bird was already halfway down the tunnel. All that other stuff, but like uh, to your point, Erica. Like, no amount of uh, explaining that uh, it is what we did at that time validates what you did. Even Michael Jordan said it. Like, when, when they beat the Bulls, he stayed and he shook their hands. Every time they got their asses whooped every season. And the one time that they beat them, like, y'all just decide to walk off the court, you know, not, not say anything. Like, even when Ma yeah. Magic Johnson lost the championship, he made sure to meet Michael Jordan in the hallway between yeah. locker rooms and give him a hug. Like, you're telling me you can't shake hands? Like, are you that salty? Jason, you're new to all this. What is your opinion on this? <laughs> like, just looking at it, are they straight-up bitches, or do you kind of understand where this is coming from? No, I mean, I think they're 
being little bitches, I guess, by walking off. But I just didn't realize how competitive they were. Like, I know we watched that documentary about the bad boys and stuff, but it they're they're brutal, man. Oh yeah, they're really powerful. Um, and I always forget that Robin was on there. But just one thing that really sticks out to me. I know you guys were talking about this earlier, but just Phil Jackson's career too. I just feel like there's. I mean, I didn't realize he – I didn't know anything much about him except for coaching the Bulls and the Lakers. I didn't know he played on the Knicks and all this stuff. I really liked how – and he took the first couple episodes to go over, like, Jordan and Rodman and, and Pippen, but now they're taking, you know, a look at, at Phil Jackson. I just thought that was a cool part of the episode. Just because I don't know much, I just – I enjoyed them going to his career too. So, I just wanted to point. Yeah, I'm the same way. I did not know a lot of that stuff. Um, if you guys get a chance, watch the Bad Boys documentary. I made Jason watch it one time. But it does go into say where Jordan quotes that he wouldn't be where he was if they didn't have to get past those guys. That was his first goal to get past them. Mm-hmm. They kind of made him who he was. So we are in the season of 91. They do get past. And then it goes into a highlight reel of the series against Magic and Jordan, the first one that they got to. I still remember where I was the first game watching that game. Um, I, I, if you guys want to talk about it, there's a lot of important things. I remember when they went to overtime and all that. But in the end, the Lakers stole game one. Jordan claims the Bulls played bad. He goes, we knew, even though the media wasn't giving us credit, that we played bad and we almost beat them. We should be fine here on out. And they end up winning the next four games. And I think it's very, very clear that the, the torch is being passed, which I'll get into in our next episode. But um, there is like a new guy because Jordan says that put him in the category with Bird, with Magic. And uh, now he is an NBA champion, not just a scoring title guy, you know. So – I kind of, do you guys want to talk anything about that series? Sam Perkins layup, anything like that? I oh, love that. Was, play. That's an amazing, yeah. amazing layup. You got to give you got to give Scottie Pippen credit because if Magic Johnson was the guy back then, and Pippen, I think played him defending wise, just amazing. I, I don't yeah. know Johnson's stats, but I mean, he, everyone goes on the Jordan trip. Pippen was there too, taking out their best player. I thought that was really cool. Um, but if we move on, they win their first series. Sorry, the first championship. And it does a translation back to 98, and it just intensifies again the, the, the tension between Krauss and the team. Um, basically, Krauss is making comments that, and this is again, now we're in 98, we want MJ back if he chooses not because he's been on record saying, if Phil Jackson's not the coach, then I don't want to play. Um, it comes out saying, we want Michael back if he chooses not to come back, that's his choice, not ours. And he basically did this like right before the all-star break in the middle of the season. And they're kind of like, what is the purpose of doing this? I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, what he was doing. I think to me that shouldn't have been said publicly. I don't think he should have made it a point. They should, Hey, we'll focus on the season. But, uh, but he did say it. So uh, anyone want to chime in on that? Our boy, Jerry, like, and I think this happened throughout the season along all the episodes. They just kept on like pressing Jordan's buttons with like the comments they would make, you know, oh, you know, if he wants to come back, that's on him. And, you know, the Bulls are going to go on regardless. And I think when you think about it from a player's point of view, they want to feel like welcome and they want to feel like, okay, you want me back. And I think that not only uh, Phil Jackson, but uh, MJ, like throughout the whole season was like, I don't, it doesn't really sound like you really want us back. And even, I think that, you know, yeah, even Pippen, it was well known Pippen wasn't coming back, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, and I think that that's how they knew, right? Like MJ, Phil, they were like, this is it. This is it because Jerry and like upper management and the owners, like they're not willing to make it happen again. 
And it was so it was so shitty that they said that, and then they the, the same thing about Phil. They said, "Oh, you," I think at the end they said, "Oh, you could you could have come back," but they always made it clear it was going to be a rebuild. Is Jordan going to come back for rebuild? No. Like they made the decision like right at the beginning, like we're going to do a rebuild no matter what happens. And I mean, I thought that was just shit crap. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I know we're, we're blaming Kraus about this again. An interview that I heard with Charles Barkley says. It wasn't just him. The owner had a lot to do with it as well by not wanting to pay all these guys. Um, so, so, so that I don't know too much about. If you guys have anything about that, but but it does make Kraus look out to be the bad guy, the person orchestrating the whole breakup, and it's just sad because who knows what they could accomplish if they stayed together. But whatever. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this, you know, in a lot of episodes moving forward. But um, I don't know, you know, if that particular press conference or media announcement was at the behest of the owner. But I will say this, like um, having to constantly reiterate yourself that the players, they can come back if they want to. We're not going to, you know, renegotiate with Scotty. Phil Jackson's out of here no matter what. Like having to constantly reiterate that and the moves that we're going to see in the the next couple episodes really show you how much um, how much of a bruised ego or how much um, of that want for attention existed. I'm not here to, you know, throw, throw shade on Jerry Krause, you know, rest in peace. But like during his time as the GM, especially during this season, just the, even prior to this, because when we get to the Olympics episode, that's a whole nother story. But like Mm -hmm. just the ego is through the roof with management and making sure management gets their due and it goes back to what we talked about in the earlier episodes it's like yo if you want the spotlight play ball uh you know just his obsession with management getting attention and spotlight is it's just kind of immature sometimes you know it's a bad culture well i think at the end of once they win the first championship they go to jerry Krause and and or Krause and they're talking to him and he's like yeah it's not only the players it's also the management and he like hyper focused on like reiterating that i think like twice and really like, emphasizes it yeah. yeah you're like okay we get it like you're here too you but i think it, that yeah. it ate at him a lot so mm-hmm. yeah well yeah that's all we got for episode four um i'm excited about the next one we got the dream team so uh <laughs> thanks guys all right, all right guys thanks folks. <laughs>